Section 16 from the Easy Chair, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D.L. Archer. From the Easy Chair, Volume 3 by George William Curtis. Section 16. Historic Buildings. A few months ago, the Easy Chair, seeing that changes were making in the old state house in Boston, one of the few revolutionary and truly historic buildings that remain, modestly ventured to regret it and to deplore the rapid disappearance of the venerable relics that had come down to us from former generations. It suggested, or meant to suggest, or might, could, would, or should have suggested, and will now, under correction, suggest that there are very few buildings in New York which recall that earlier epoch of the country. With a national and pardonable logic or association of ideas, the easy chair enlarged upon the value of historic relics, of monuments, of visible traditions, and urged possibly that it made life a little barer, a little less poetic, here than it would otherwise be. The temerity of such a strain of remark does not seem very extravagant. It might indeed be put forth without any secret hostility to human rights, to liberty, to the equality of men, and even without a sigh for the repose of a fete despotism and the traditions of outworn monarchies. But not in the opinion of a certain excellent journal, which we will agree to call The Bugle of Freedom, and which blew a sonorous blast and rallying cry against the sentiments of the Easy Chair's mild and innocent suggestions. Monuments blew the bugle of freedom. Monuments, remains, traditions, old lumber and rotten timber. What in the name of humanity have all these to do with a manly and patriotic sentiment? Look at Egypt. What have the pyramids done for the civilization of Egypt? and we hope they are monuments, and ancient enough. Look at Greece, the very queen mother of the noblest architecture. Look at Italy, teeming with storied monuments. And what do we see? played the bugle of freedom. What do we see? Do we wish to be Egyptians or modern Greeks or Italians? Heaven forbid! And the resounding bugle seemed to execute roulades and runs and trills of contempt at the unhappy easy chair, which was gazing vacantly at Egypt, Greece, and Italy, as the bugle had directed. Has the bugle of freedom no drawer or box or casket of any kind, in which there is possibly a yellow rosebud, faded years and years ago in the days when it was a mere raw, shrill, piping flageolet? Has it no bundle of letters, worn and parted at the seam, no knotted handkerchief hidden out of sight that shall never be more unknotted? no glove delicate and perfumed still holding the form gained by soft pressure upon a hand that shall never again be pressed is there no tree in the garden in a public square by the roadside in a green field by a brook under which at every hour of the day and night whenever and with whomsoever it is passed there stand the youth and the maid who shall be seen of men no more is there no house in town or country from whose windows long vanished faces look when the bugle passes by and in whose unchanged rooms there are figures of old and young whose presence is infinitely tender and chastening would life be richer and better and more manly and inspiring for the bugle if all these were swept away 
would the rights of man and external justice be more secure if some morning biddy should throw old letters old rosebuds and old handkerchiefs into the fire and the woodman would not spare the old tree and the haunted old household be burned up or pulled down that is the whole question it is merely a matter of association it is in human nature the easy chair did not put it there the mysterious delight in the most ancient and inarticulate remains of human skill is the recognition by the soul of man of its identity and endless continuation and when you descend from the cyclopean work in the foundation of the wall of the temple at jerusalem to the knotted handkerchief and the yellow bud you have only come o bugle to the individual delight in one's own experience to the unsealing of sweet fountains forgotten and the quickening of sanitary emotions surely when you were travelling and delighting yourselves in greece you did not come upon the plain of marathon with the same emotion that you crossed the hackensack meadows in the philadelphia train but what was the difference byron's lines sang themselves out of your mouth the mountains look upon marathon and marathon looks upon the sea why did byron's lines rise in your memory why did byron write the lines why was your glance eager and your mind pensive and your imagination alert and your soul full of generous impulse when you stood on the plain of marathon because of the great conflict between two civilizations long and long and long ago the conflict of ideas of which you are the child the conflict of men essentially like you and your brothers who fought at gettysburg and vicksburg but if there be this subtle and overpowering influence in association with a place although it is earth and trees and grass and stone is there not the same charm and power in association with a building a tree a stream and while marathon has not saved greece from decline has it not been one of the natural influences that have pleaded against national decay and could marathon and salamis and plataea have been swept out of mind would not the decline have been a thousandfold hastened are we not stronger and braver for bunker hill and saratoga for the sunken alabama and the wilderness for the same reason o loud blowing bugle of freedom that it would be a national injury to forget the great deeds it is in a lesser degree a misfortune although an inevitable one gradually to lose from sight the objects that recall them would it be a pity to shovel bunker hill into boston back bay the battle of bunker hill would still remain in history the advantages of the revolutionary war which it began would still survive but something we should have lost and the argument that urged the sparing of the hill would be sound and natural so with the old state house to destroy it or essentially to change it was in a lesser degree to shovel bunker hill into the back bay the town of stratford-upon-avon seemed not to be conscious of the great truth which the easy chair is expounding when it seemed disposed to let the house of shakespeare be sold and even moved away but england at least was wiser and the house remains some day and the easy chair dedicates the remark as a conciliatory conclusion to the bugle of freedom some day the bugles of that same honored name will gaze at the present printing office where a sympathetic easy chair thrusts the job are many and profitable and will say with emotion there the parental bugle of freedom blew its melodious note 
it will do the buglets no harm as they return to their palatial mansions to reflect upon the simple and sturdy origin of their prosperity the easy chair has the more feeling upon this subject because directly opposite to the vast and many-windowed building from which it surveys the world stands the old walton house eighty years ago it was one of the finest houses in town the square where now business hums and roars then softly murmured with fashion and this was the faubourg street honore of the republican city the house still has the stately air of the old regime the stone pediment of the windows is elaborate and arrests the idle eye but it is now a sailor's boarding-house the walls are cracked and the house has an indescribable aspect of shabbiness and neglect surrounded by the mere mob of three-storied modern brick buildings it has evidently become reckless and lost to shame like a king's heir fallen into debauched and degraded courses long since slighted and forgotten its peers utterly gone their descendants move miles away and become a modern generation without the reservoir on murray hill the easy chair has yet more than once late on a summer afternoon when trade had gone uptown and silence and dreams were setting in beheld the old walton house glancing covertly across the street at our modern many-windowed bustling palace of busy traffic with a look of high-born haughtiness and contempt there may be trade going on within my walls it seemed to say as it gazes but i am innocent of it i was not built for trade at least and then the easy chair with its own eyes fixed upon the cracked and leaning walls seemed to see it reeling away into its dingy obscurity it is a tradition of franklin square that washington once lived in the walton house and it is certain that citizen genet married there the daughter of governor george clinton once indeed some years since the easy chair hearing an extraordinary and novel sound like the smooth rolling of a stately chariot thought as the day was late and the twilight was already beginning that some of the fine old societies of that fine old day had somehow forgotten themselves into somehow returning to the scene of so much last century festivity and anxious to see both them and their amazement at the transformation of the fashionable square rolled itself to the window and looking out saw the first horse-car rumbling gravely along to the neighboring ferry remaining at the window and mindful of washington at the old walton house the easy chair was aware of mercury who runs the editorial errands and is a much meditating young messenger standing by his side with one of the editorial brethren mercury said the editorial brother do you know who washington was the father of this country promptly replied the messenger and what did he ever do that was notorious and disreputable mercury was plainly indignant at this question and answered evasively well he never told a lie if he did chop down his father's apple tree and what else did he do with energy mercury responded he whipped the bloody britishers and what became of him when he grew up he was president mercury said the editorial brother do you see that house across the street the old walton house the old walton house of course i do well mercury he lived there who lived there demanded mercury with wide-opening eyes 
George Washington lived in the old Walton house. But not the same George, asked Mercury doubtfully, not the first president. The first woodchopper of fame and the first president, replied the brother Quill. Mercury gazed at the house earnestly for a little while and then warmly demanded, Why don't they keep his old signboard up to let the folks know? Bugle of freedom, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings the truth proceeds. It was the same instinct that caused the easy chair to exclaim a year ago as it contemplated the prospect of changing the old and famous state house. Why take the old sign down?